The Today's Homeowner Radio Podcast is brought to you by The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Welcome to Today's Homeowner with Danny Lipford, your partner in home improvement. Everyone has questions about their home. We've got the answers, and we have a few laughs along the way. Informative, entertaining, and sometimes off the wall. Home improvement has never been this much fun. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this hour of today's Homeowner Radio. So glad you're with us. We've got a lot of information to share with you. We're going to talk about a lot of different things, including some guttering tips. If you're thinking of adding guttering, is it a do-it-yourself project? We'll let you know our opinion on that. Also, flushing water heaters. That's extremely important. But, hey, what about tankless water heaters? We'll share some information with you on that. Also, pro-level waterproofing that's available for homeowners. We're going to talk with some of our friends from Custom building products about what's available for a variety of projects around your home. Lots of emails, lots of other information. Joe, what about that simple solution a little bit later in the show? All right. I've got a quick storage tip for the workshop reusing six-pack containers, you know, the, the little cardboard containers that cans of beer and soda come in. So I have a way to recycle those in the shop. I'm not familiar with any of the ones with the beer. No, I'm not familiar with those. Because I buy the cases. No, I'm That's kidding. That's right. You're usually rolling the kegs off the back of the truck. No, that's not it. We don't want to condone any of that kind of activity. But uh, storage tips are always great for the shop. And look forward uh, to having Joe share that with you in just a little bit. Hey, we want to hear from you on any kind of question or challenge you might be having around your home. And we make it as easy as possible. Give us a call at 800-946-4420. Or you can send us an email by going to todayshomeowner.com slash ask. We had some great calls, great emails this week. We're going to jump over to the Today's Homeowner Hotline to handle a few of the calls we received this week. Yes, my question is, my home that I'd had uh, since the 70s was eminent domain by Oakland State University, and I was forced to move the home. Now, it was built in 1946, uh, post-World War II house, and it had a full furnace in the living room. I loved it. You could warm up everything, and everything was great about this. And when I moved the house, the contractors refused to hook up the floor furnace, saying that they were no longer legal to have. Uh, I live in the state of Oklahoma. Could you kindly tell me what's wrong with a floor furnace? I know if you walk on it barefoot after it's been running, it'll get you jumping. But <laughs> otherwise, what? Thank you. Well, um, I've dealt with a lot of floor furnaces, and they are obsolete. I mean, if uh, I understand that you, you, you know, kind of might have fond memories and so forth of, of a floor furnace, but they're not efficient at all, and they have been proven to be dangerous in some situations, and that's why they virtually, um, I assume, they've eliminated them or re-engineered them significantly where they would, would be accepted on that. So that's what I would check with a, a heating contractor to see if they're 
there are some options that fit in the floor like that. Um, but again, the main thing is it's just not very efficient. Joe, I've dealt with a lot of those and removing them yes. and splicing in that hardwood floor, but I haven't seen one in years and years. Yeah, me either. Always in old homes like this house is built in 1946. And for people who aren't familiar, it's exactly what it sounds like. There's a furnace below the floor and there are large grates in the floor. And the way they work is um, they, they pull cool air in through vents, heat it up, and then release it. And of course, warm air rises, so it seemed to make, make sense, right? You put it under the floor and it rises up and heats the whole house. Um, but many states now, I don't know about Oklahoma, but many states have banned the use of floor furnaces because they can be a hazard, a fire hazard, if they're not properly installed or maintained, more importantly. And of course, you get this thing directly under the floor so it can ignite the whole house. And they also pose a potential source of carbon monoxide, um, you know, again, if they're not properly maintained. So that's the reason they're being banned. Whether or not they are in Oklahoma, I'm not really sure. Let's go back to the hotline for another call. Hi, question about uh, garden hoses. When I hook up the hose to the faucet, turn it on, it leaks at the point of the faucet. And this happens at both faucets. So I'm inclined to think that the problem is with the hose. Please tell me if there's a different type of hose I might get at Home Depot or if there's an attachment I need, whatever you can recommend. Thank you. That is a common and frustrating problem, I well, must well, say. Well, it is. You, you know what it is? The hoses aren't talking to the faucets very well. You know, they, <laughs> they, they're, they're, not, they're not getting together on the same page. That's right. You know? uh, and a lot of times, you know, the uh, threads are, are not long enough to seat it really well in a right. hose. But here's what I found. First of all, the, the little washers that go in the hose itself. The rubber the, gasket, right. The rubber yep. gaskets there uh, are notorious for falling out or getting stuck or, um, you know, kind of um, collapsing inside, a lot of different situations like that. So it's always handy to have a few extra ones of those so that when you're hooking a hose up, make sure that that gasket is in good shape. If not, replace it. Or in some cases where the threads on the faucets are not deep enough, you may have to add a second one. And you can put a second one in there and always recommend hand tight. You should not have to use a wrench on a um, hose at any time other than sometimes to release it. But tightening it up like that will snug it up, and that should prevent the problem. But, Joe, you're right. I mean, it just seems to be uh, yeah. uh, an ongoing problem, and the quality of some of the hoses aren't what, you know, a hose is something you're going to use forever. Buy a really good hose, and you'll be glad you did. Yeah, and and they do make these quick connect hose fittings and adapters. Uh -huh. I've not used them, so I'm not sure if they're any more watertight, but essentially is there's a piece that you thread on. It's a female threads that mm -hmm. you thread onto the the hose faucet, and then you can then there's an adapter that fits onto the end of the hose. You can just click it on and off, almost like a pneumatic hose fits onto a nail gun. Um, so you could try that. But the one th thing I disagree with Danny with using a wrench, I've never been able to get my hose for, to stop leaking unless I put a wrench on it. I put a pair of pliers on it rather, and I just have to. I don't. You have to be careful not to crush the the hose end, but I have to tighten it up. Otherwise, it just leaks. But that's what I do. I just I just really crank it down. Boy, I, I love a lot of these new hoses, though, that have that little handle almost, oh, yeah. that little yeah. thing there. and That uh, makes it that, a lot easier. Yeah, yeah, that just tightens it up like that. It's, that's always good. It's like a built-in hey, wrench. Yeah, I know yeah. it exactly. I built right onto it. Hey, let's go back to the hotline for one more call. Hey, Danny and Joe. Uh, I'm getting ready to have some projects completed at my house. 
and I'm looking for uh, some reliable contractors. Um, you know, I know they're out there. I got buddies that'll tell me, "Hey, use this person or use that person." But is there another source or uh, or tool that I can use to find some help in my area? You know, I mean, uh, other than Google or um, you know anything like that. Well, um, I always have recommended, um, no matter where you live in the country, to consider calling your local Home Builders Association. Home Builders Association has uh, chapters in just about all over the country, a very large national organization. And their membership consists of um, builders, developers, remodelers, and a long list of what's called associate members. So that's your electricians, plumbers, air conditioning guys, all of that. Um, you know, using someone through the home builders is uh, is good in that that ensures that they are licensed and bonded and insured. So um, that's always good. And uh, but but you know, uh, don't hesitate to really ask around to friends and business associates of people that they've used. Um, and also, if you're thinking about, um, you know, it's like a, a painter. I need a painter. Well, call the local paint store that does a lot of business with contractors and say, here's what I'm looking for. Do you have a few names for me? They're happy to share some of the ones and they know the ones that are doing the good work. So um, that'll help you kind of narrow it down, but just ask around, take your time and you can find some great contractors out there. It is more challenging than it's been in the past. I've heard from many, many people that people just seem to not want to return phone calls and that kind of thing. Joe, I, I, I don't know if that's going to get any better. I'm really confused by that. Yeah, I'm not sure it is. Um, and yeah, this is one thing that hasn't really changed much, right, Danny? I mean, so much has changed in the building and remodeling industry, but getting a recommendation from a colleague, a neighbor, a relative that has hired this particular contract, had good luck with him or her, you know, that's really, unfortunately, the best way to go. There's really, there's nothing better than that than getting a firsthand recommendation of a contractor. And it can be frustrating, but this is a very important decision to bring someone into your home to do some work, regardless of the size project. So take your time, make sure you're comfortable with the person, and make sure you have everything in writing. Hey, we're providing you a lot of information this week here on Today's Homeowner. We've got a lot coming up right around the corner. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back to talk about guttering. Today's homeowner is brought to you by Pavestone, creating beautiful landscapes, and by Quickrete Cement and Concrete Products. It's what America's made of. And welcome back to the Today's Homeowner Radio Show. We always like to say a special hello to certain stations all over the country, especially this one has been with us for a long, long time in Peoria, Illinois, WMBDAM 1470, wonderful part of the country. And a special hello to everybody there. And no matter where you're listening to the Today's Homeowner Radio Show, we want to help you out. Send us an email at todayshomeowner.com slash ask or pick up the phone and call us 800 946 4420. That's what Diana did. Welcome to the show. Tell us what's happening at your house. Hi. Um, I'm just having problems with uh, rainwater, you know, coming off the house. And I've got a couple of windowsills that are paying the price for it, you know. And I wanted to see how hard it would be for me to put gutters up on my house. Well, um, gutters are certainly available there at Home Depot. They come in um, links. I, I think you can get a 20-foot. 20 20, yeah, 20-footer, 20 right? Yeah, 20-foot link there or a 10-foot link and all of the 
um, the accessories and caps and downspouts and everything that you need. And it's not a uh, really hard project, but it is a little dangerous because you're up on ladders and generally you have to have someone else on the other end of the gutter and you're nailing and you're cutting with um, with metal shears. All of those kind of things can be a little daunting for, to a lot of homeowners. What you might consider, you might be surprised how inexpensive some of the guys with the gutter trucks that come out and make the gutters right in your the front seamless yard. seamless gutters, yeah. The seamless gutters of, yeah. out of aluminum. Uh, they're pretty reasonable, and those guys can get in and out of there fairly fast. So um, you might you might want to consider that, Diana, and, and, and instead of doing it yourself. And to tell you the truth, the, what the professionals install is much better than what you would buy at a home center simply because it's seamless and you don't have any places for that uh, rain to find its way out of it and cause a leak. So you might consider that. Okay. Well, I'm glad you told me that. I didn't know it. Uh, I've never messed with gutters before, you know, but I have done repairs and maintenance work and stuff like that about 30 years. Diane, is this a one-story house or two-story? It's a split level. Okay. Yeah. So that's another reason to uh, probably have a pro do it because there's going to be a lot of up and down ladders and working from heights that might be a little dangerous. Yeah, I haven't been on a ladder in quite a while, and I'm almost 70 years old, so I just wanted to, you know. Well, we want, you, we want you to get the 70, so I would say stay off the ladder. And I, I, it's interesting that Danny's from Alabama, as you are, and he refers to it as guttering, which I've never quite heard that term. I live in Connecticut. I've never heard anybody call it guttering. It's always been yeah. gutters. <laughs> and, and in Alabama, I see very few houses with gutters, and here in Connecticut, I've never seen a house without gutters. And you guys mm-hmm. get much more rain than I do. It's kind of interesting how it how much different it is from one part of the country to the other yeah yeah it is okay but we both would recommend hiring a professional for this job diana okay i sure do appreciate it and thank you danny okay thank you so much for being part of the show today and have a great weekend you too bye-bye Bye-bye now. Hey, let's get to some emails here. Appreciate all these great emails we got this week and every week. This one came in from Susan. My clothes dryer vents into my garage, which has been a problem since 1989. Yeah. I Any guess. solutions? Well, whoever, I guess it would be a problem. Yeah. Whoever vented that into your garage Whoa. is not a good person. That is uh, not the way you do it. Uh, I know it's been done before. They even exhaust things underneath the house. That's also wrong. Um, the challenge with uh, dryer vents is it, it the, a dryer vent is going to work the best when it's the shortest distance. Um, if you have one that turns and goes and climbs and goes all around, it's, it's really going to affect the performance of that uh, dryer. So having it as direct as you can to the outside, not the outside garage, you need to do that. So routing this is, uh, of course, a number of different ways that you can route that. You might tie right onto what you have now and route it directly to an outside wall, or there may be another way to um, lessen the length of that. I would talk to a plumber and see if they have some suggestions. Um, There's a very common request that they have because a lot of times when they build houses and they put the dryers in, they just don't think it through. Or benefit of the doubt, maybe this was an outside wall and a That's garage was, was yeah. built. So right, benefit yeah. of the doubt on that. Hey, let's go to another email here, Joe. This is one for you. Bobby okay. Ray. Bobby Ray writes in from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Hey, Danny, my wife made me buy one of those put-together bookcases for the kitchen to hold all of her cookbooks. 
It's about three foot wide and has four adjustable shelves that rest on tiny little metal pins. However, once she filled up the shelves with books, the side of the bookshelf spread apart and the shelves and the books came crashing to the floor. They darn near killed my dog. <laughs> this is what it said. Uh, I, I remember Joe shared a simple solution for solving this kind of problem. Can you please repeat it and share it with me? I'll be listening. Okay, Bobby Ray, here you go. Joe, you know what to do to, to help him out there. Yeah, put up a baby gate to keep your dog out of the kitchen because it sounds <laughs> sounds like a very dangerous place. Yeah, I know what Bobby Ray's referred to. It wasn't actually a simple solution, although it is a simple solution. It's not one that we shot for the TV show. But um, what I did, I, I had a similar situation down in my shop. And with these with these, what he called put together, these knockdown bookcases, he can't simply screw through the side into the shelf because the shelves are usually particle board and they're never going to hold those screw. They're going to split. So what I did is I took small metal angle brackets, these little L-shaped angle brackets. They're only like one and a half inches long each leg. And I screwed it to the underside of the shelf, right in the middle of the shelf on each end, then to the side of the bookcase. And what that does is it just, it ties the shelf to the sides of the bookcase. So the shelf acts like, which was adjustable, now it's not adjustable, but it, it prevents the sides of the bookcase from spreading out because they're essentially screwed to the shelf, to the underside of the shelf. And you have to put in as many of these as net. Usually if you put, just do it to the two middle shelves, depending how tall this is, that'll be enough to keep it from spreading apart. You don't have to do it to every single shelf. All right, here's another email from Lisa in Athens, Georgia. How do I repair a ceramic tile floor where the grout is coming out of the joints and some of the tiles are loose? The tiles are 12 inch by 12 inches set over a plywood subfloor. Uh-oh. Yep. I don't think there's enough set. Um, she referred to it as setting material, which is an adhesive. Material was put beneath the tiles. So do I have to take all the tiles up and start over? I hope not. We love these tiles and they weren't cheap. So, oh, you know, that's, that's always a tough one, you know, because uh, a lot of times if one has failed, others will be failing, especially yeah. with a failed system like this. You do not glue tile to plywood. It's always going to be problematic. And so I would imagine, Lisa, as much as I hate to say it, um, and Joe will certainly get your opinion, probably going to end up removing all of this cleaning the floor, putting down the proper subflooring or underlayment, um, cement backer board or some type of Schluter product, right, um, yep. and then put the tiles back on. But uh, that's going to be a tricky one, and those tiles are really fragile when you're trying to remove them. Yeah, the reason they're popping loose, she didn't say, I don't believe she said that any are cracked, so that's really good, is that there's flex in the floor in this plywood subfloor. Um, I don't know, maybe that's a plywood subfloor and there's backer board on top of it. Either way, it sounds like there's some flex in it. And of course, ceramic or in this case, porcelain tile don't doesn't have any flex to them. They're pretty rigid, so they pop loose. And that's also the reason the grout's um, coming loose as well. So yeah, I mean, the quick Band-Aid solution, remove all the pop tiles that are loose, put them down with thin set, the correct thin set mortar, regrout the joints that are need to be regrouted, and then hope it doesn't happen again. But yeah, I mean, other than that, then you would have to, as Dana suggested, take up the whole floor. And getting those up without cracking them is going to be an issue. I suspect some of them are properly adhered, 
and some mm-hmm. of them right. aren't. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know what you're going to do at that point. might be hard to get replacement tiles. And, and it's possible that the rest of the floor is perfectly fine and just yeah, the iso- isolated ones are exactly what you said, not enough adhesive under it. Or what happens so often is the tile installer will uh, put down the tile, and then as he's laying the tile, maybe he spreads a little bit more than he should have, and that one part of it starts drying out a little bit more when he puts that um, last couple tiles down. That can happen. Same situation. You have to remove those carefully and then glue them back down and regrout them. I hope that it works out good for you, Lisa, and I hope that you don't have to take up the entire floor. We hate to always have to recommend that kind of thing. Hey, you're listening to today's Homeowner Radio. When we come back, should you have to drain your tankless water heater? And if so, how often? We have that information when we come back. You're listening to today's Homeowner Radio. Today's Homeowner Radio. Here are Danny and Joe. And welcome back. We're so glad you're with us. Glad you're taking some of your busy weekend to spend with us. And uh, we want to talk about water heaters right now with Daniel from Michigan. Daniel, welcome to the show. And uh, tell us all about your water heater. Yes, I just got a tankless water heater a couple years ago. And I don't know how often I should uh, um, flush it. Okay. Uh, Well, um, you know, we talk a lot about uh, tanked water heaters and the need to flush them. And uh, without a doubt, it's amazing what can come out of a tanked water heater. But tankless uh, also uh, needs a little of attention on that. But some of the manufacturers have different ways of recommending that. Many of them do recommend removing certain elements of the, the, the water heater and soaking them in vinegar. Um, but that's one of the things that is, you know, really, you really need to check with that particular manufacturer to see how often. Now, I've always heard every two years, depending on the amount of usage, I've always heard vinegar and being able to help dissolve. Because that's basically what you're trying to do is dissolve any of the corrosion, any of the buildup you have within the water heater that could cause it to, um, you know, to end sooner than it should, not to have the life expectancy that it should. So uh, there's a lot of different ways of, of, of looking at that. But, Joe, wouldn't you think, um, I mean, don't you agree with the, the manufacturing issue? Because so every one of them oh, have yeah. a kind of a different approach on this. Yeah, Daniel, I think you absolutely have to check with the manufacturer. I mean, maybe all manufacturers say the same thing. You have to do it every six months or every 12 months, whatever. And it's, it's always hard to put exact... Uh, time on that because it depends how much water you're putting through that and the quality of the water you're putting through it. Is it well water? Is it city water? Does That's it have true. minerals in it? Um, so, but you definitely need to do it. If the question is, do you need to flush a tankless water heater? Obviously, a traditional tank water heater has to be drained all the you know on a regular basis. And you can go to todayshomeware.com to find out how to do that. So, I think the safest thing, as Danny suggested, is contact the manufacturer. Just go online. And you could look up the owner's manual if you don't have it for your model or just type in a question and they'll answer it um, with the proper amount of time you need to flush it and how to do it. Okay, yeah, because um, uh, I'm going to get a professional to do it because I've never flushed it before. So I'll probably get a professional to, you know, to at least let me know how to flush it because I've never flushed one before. So, Okay, yeah, that's a good idea. Hire him. 
to do it once, pay attention, take notes, and then you can do it yourself next time. You'll probably find that it's pretty easy. Mm -hmm. If he dismantles it, like Danny said, some manufacturers recommend dismantling it and soaking some of the parts in vinegar. Um, then, you know, I mean, you could learn how to do that too. Yeah, because I'm, I'm, uh, I've had tanks for every, uh, tank water heaters for every like 10 years is when it, when it starts to go bad. So that's wow. why I went to tankless. Yeah. Good. Well, you must yeah, have pretty uh, rough water if you're replacing them every 10 years. Tankless uh, life expectancy is 20 years, so that's good. That's years, one of the yeah. advantages of having a tankless. But uh, I, I would do that. Just check with them. They'll have step-by-step. And, and uh, when you call the plumbers, just make sure that they have done that before when you get somebody right. out to do yeah. it, just to make sure that uh, question them pretty strong on that. We don't want You don't want them you know, going to YouTube to decide on what they're going to do with your house. So. I, I appreciate that advice because I would have never thought about asking them if they've done this before. Uh-huh. Yeah, definitely do that. Well, well um, best of luck to you on that, and I hope uh, everything works out well. I'm sure it will, Daniel. Thank you. Take care. Have a good weekend. Let's go back to our emails here. want to get okay. in as many of those as we can. This came from uh, Louisiana. Lee asked, I'm confused a little bit about installing attic insulation. Most info says to place paper face insulation with the paper down toward the drywall. I also read that in warm climates, the paper should face up instead. I live in Louisiana, where it's very warm and mostly humid. Should the paper face in toward the living space or face outward? Well, huh, I never heard that recommendation. I, I don't live in the South, but I've never heard that either. Yeah. It's wrong. It's just wrong. It's sad. It's it's embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> it's, no, it's embarrassing. Lee, the, the, the general rule that has been proven by many, many scientists uh, in when they're studying insulation is the paper face that you have always goes towards the heated and cooled area. So if you're under your house, the paper goes up towards the subfloor. If you're in the attic, your paper goes down towards your drywall or your plaster ceiling or whatever you have. Um, that's it. Um, there's no other way of doing it. It has to be done that way. If you're adding insulation to existing insulation, over existing insulation, it's recommended that there be no um, paper face, no craft facing at all, so that you don't have any chance of moisture trap. So uh, that's the rules. That's the way it goes, and uh, that's that's the facts. And so um, we're sticking to it. Yeah, just make sure that you handle it that way. Here's one for you, Joe um, Row right. from um, Hazel Green, Alabama. I've never heard of that. That sounds huh. kind of cool. Um, yeah. Our road was recently uh, repaved, and now my yard floods every time it rains. I'm losing topsoil fastly, and my grass is thinning out. I want to put in a fr French drain. I know the lowest point, but how can I make sure the ditch is lower than that spot? The contractor said, I think it is, but I'm not willing to put money into <laughs> I think. Well, well, anybody that's dealing with drainage should have a builder's level, a transit that they're able to determine yeah. those elevations and ensure that the water flows where it needs to flow. But I guess here, Joe, the first thing I would think about is wouldn't you want to call whoever paved that road and make them aware that the result of their work has caused problems in their yard? It seemed like they would start there. Yeah, you could, but I'd say good luck with that. These guys are hired by the state. You know, once their truck goes over the hill and they're 
taillights disappear, that's when the warranty ends. You know, because so I, I had that same issue. I, we repaved the road out front of our house about five years ago, and I've had trouble ever since. Um, but first of all, backing up to Rose's question, when water runs off a hardscape, like a road or a patio or something like that, in Rose's case, it's a road, it's recommended that you install a channel or linear drain, not a French drain. A French drain is used when water's pooling on a surface, like someplace in a low spot in your yard. That's when you use a French drain. So what she wants is a channel drain, which is essentially just, it's kind of shaped like a rain gutter, and it has a grate on top, and you bury it flush into the ground, and then it connects to a pipe, and water runs in, and then it hits this drain, and instead of going all over your and washing away your grass, and then it drains out to either to a drain pipe or to what's called daylight, meaning it goes to a low spot and just drains out into the onto the low spot of your property. So that's what Roe would need is not a not a French drain, but a channel drain or sometimes called a linear drain. And and again, a lot of times we recommend, and and I've done it myself with landscape contractors that uh, deal with drainage issues all the time. They have some pretty innovative ways to help you handle that water and um, maybe even turn it into something that's quite an attraction and uh, amenity to your home instead of something that doesn't look very good. So you might want to try that out and just call around. You'll find the right person. Hey, when we come back, we're going to talk about a waterproofer that the pros use that you may need to be using on your next project at your house. You're listening to today's Homeowner Radio. Today's Homeowner is brought to you by Deitch Coatings. Easily roll on your new stone countertop, garage floor, and more in just a weekend with Deitch. And welcome back to the Today's Homeowner Radio Show. Danny Lipford here. And, you know, over the years, we've talked a lot about all the different great products from custom building products. And I'm thrilled right now to have Will White, who's the Channel Marketing Director of Technical Support at Custom Building Products, on the show with us. Will, so glad you're able to be on the show with us. Uh, Fantastic to be here, Danny. And if I may say, I just wanted to thank you for your decades of service to the do-it-yourselfer homeowners like myself. We appreciate you. Well, I I appreciate you saying that. I've certainly had a lot of fun along the way, and uh, I think we've helped a few people here and there. And one of the things I've always liked is to be able to steer different homeowners toward things that the pros use. You know, the pros are out there making a living. They're not going to deal with products that are failing them and causing them problems. And and that's where so much with the the whole product line of custom building products comes into play. And but um, how about a little bit of history? Where did custom building products come from? Custom Building Products was founded in 1964 in Bell, California. Started out as an additives company uh, and then slowly evolved into manufacturing mortars and, you know, uh, cement-based mortar beds and plaster compounds. And here we are uh, almost 60 years later uh, with a complete line of installation products designed for not only the pros, but for the do-it-yourselfers. Well, you know, and and also the the readily available, I mean, distribution at Home Depot and so many other places make it so easy. But we want to talk about RedGuard because RedGuard is something we've recommended many, many times and is something that uh, can make or break a project, in my opinion. So uh, tell us about RedGuard and some of the advantages of it. Certainly. I mean, the first of all, when you say waterproofing and do-it-yourself, uh, that that can be somewhat alarming. Um, 
when you say pros versus do-it-yourselfers like myself, you know, I get a little concerned about using pro-grade products and systems if I don't have the right tooling or knowledge or how difficult is it. Mm-hmm. The nice thing about RedGuard is so simple that if you can paint, you can install RedGuard waterproofing correctly and you won't have to worry about leaks. So RedGuard is what we call an SBR or styling butadiene rubber. Basically, it's a liquid rubber in a bucket. Uh, after you paint it onto the surfaces and let it dry, uh, two coats, it becomes a rubber membrane and at that point is waterproof and you can count on it. Well, I'll tell you, when you're doing a shower particularly or, you know, of course, the elaborate big walk-in showers that we do these days, boy, if you don't have Red Guard as part of that formula, um, because people just don't, you know, I mean, ceramic is not waterproof. Grout is not waterproof. You got to have that membrane there that's going to make it last a long, long time. I mean, you have to do everything right in the right steps. But um, other than you using Red Guard on cement backer board and that type of application, what are some of the other common applications you see Red Guard being used for? Well, we use Red Guard over concrete surfaces, uh, under tile assemblies, inside and outside patio applications. You know, the outdoor environment's been very big and growing for the residential sectors. And I know I enjoy my patio. So if you put tile outside, you put the Red Guard down first over that concrete, and it'll make sure that you don't have any water issues from. Uh, you know, all your daily uses out there on the patio. Uh, we use Red Guard on commercial buildings. Uh, we just used it on a uh, historical remodel of the Hearst Castle pool. So it's a trusted product and has many applications, not just for waterproofing, but crack isolation as well. Well, well I've been to that Hearst Castle before, and I know how that big, gigantic pool is, and, and they wouldn't just choose Red Guard haphazardly. They probably no. did their research and realized, hey, just like homeowners, hey, we don't want to do this again anytime soon, so let's use, you know, what the pros use, and it's so easy for do-it-yourselfers on those kind of things. And we get a lot of calls on the radio show about problems with tiles and things like that. And when we ask the question, was any waterproofing applied? Usually there's a little bit of silence on the phone and that usually usually (laughs) isolates wives. So such an important part of it. Absolutely, Danny. And it's a professional grade product uh, that has Green Guard Gold standard for chemical emissions, which means it's safe. It's IATMO certified pan liner, which you know that meets all the building codes, including residential. So simply stated, it's safe, easy to use, and reliable. Well, Will White, we really appreciate that from Custom Building Products. Hope to have you on again very soon. Thanks so much. Thank you very much, Danny. Appreciate all your work. Now, Red Guard's been around a long time, Danny. It really is a great waterproofer they can use on almost any surface. Yeah, I know. Once you start looking at different projects that you're doing, you're realizing that might be one of the most important steps, whether you're doing a shower or a patio or almost anything. Hey, coming up, it's Simple Solution Time. Joe's got another good one for us. You don't want to miss it. You're listening to today's Homeowner Radio. We'll be right back. Today's Homeowner is brought to you by Fluid Master. Find out more at shop.fluidmaster.com. 
And welcome back to the show, the Today's Homeowner Radio Show, where it's time for our simple solution. Joe, what do you have for us this week? Well, Danny, out of the, what is it, 550 or so simple solutions we've produced over the years, mm-hmm. there must be at least three dozen that have to do with increasing storage in the workshop. Because uh-huh. when you go to find something, you don't want to be rooting around in a box on your hands and knees. And this is how to reuse an empty six-pack container in the shop. You know, mm-hmm. the soda and beer come in these thin cardboard containers. And what I did is I took them and I reinforced them with um, some clear packing tape, or you could use duct tape. I just folded them flat and then I covered all the seams, especially along the bottom with some tape. And then you open it up and it's perfect size for storing six spray paint cans or spray lubricant, anything that's sort of round and just tall enough to fit in there, you know, about the diameter of a soda can. And I've got, I think I I started with just one. Now I think I have three of them. And it's really easy. You know, I put like all lubricant in one and all paint in one. And then there's a third one that has, um, I have these like metallic paints. So I pull it out. I know that this one has all the metallic paints in it. And of course, these are absolutely free if you're buying soda or beer in, in these types of containers. So next time you have one of those empty six-pack containers, don't toss it out. Bring it into your shop and use it for storage. Yeah, I can really see where that would be pretty handy. And one thing that you mentioned there as far as the, the different lubricants, you know, we talk about one lubricant or um, multi-purpose oil is not good for everything around That's right. home. Yeah. So having the variety, having your your lithium grease and having your penetrating oil and having your silicone and everything that you need for any moving parts you have on your home, all in one nice little little kit like that, uh, boy, that really makes a lot of sense. It makes me think of a great gift ahead for anybody to just, you know, buy somebody all the lubricant that they need for their home and then put it together in some. You could have the little beer container and, and decorate it with some um, some holiday papers. I, I was thinking you can buy it, drink the beer, and then give them the empty container. Well, you could do that. There you go. That's right. (laughs) In six cans of lubricant. You know, something I've always enjoyed doing, of course, with me having my construction company, we always have lots of blueprints around. Sure. I hate to just throw those things away. So uh, years and years ago, I started wrapping gifts with blueprints. Oh, that's great. That's a good idea. And, um, you know, it's kind of um, makes sense since it's gifts coming from me that you would have something to do with construction. So so that always works out pretty good. But anyway, great, simple solution. And you can, um, as Joe mentioned, we have over 550 of them waiting on you at todayshomeowner.com. Now, we also want to remind you that uh, even though the Today's Homeowner television show is not broadcasting on broadcast television anymore after 25 years, we are now on many, many streaming platforms like Roku and uh, Crackle and Pluto, Zumo, and a lot of other ones, uh, especially LG TV. We have our own channel, several um, systems. We have our own channel that's 24 hour a day, Today's Homeowner. So go to todayshomeowner.com slash stream to see exactly where you can see us on any of the apps that you may have. And that will increase. We'll be working um, in the months and years ahead to get uh, the shows and our library out to even more uh, so that you can enjoy all of our whole entire library that we've created over the last 25 years. And Joe, I've I've peeked at a few of those earlier shows and I'm I'm just uh, very pleased at how well they're holding up and the information is still very relevant. It is. If we only held up as well as the information, it would be in much better shape. <laughs> hey, but yeah, speak for yourself, buddy. <laughs> I am. I am indeed. Uh, the good thing about not producing any new shows is that you're going to stay forever young, Danny. You're going to be That's right. like yeah, James that's... Dean. We're going to remember you as the young man that you are. 
<laughs> well, we'll see how that works out. But we certainly <laughs> certainly have a lot of information out there for you. And, of course, today's homeowner.com will continue and social media will continue. So a lot of different ways that you can see everything. And the Today's Homeowner YouTube channel is something we would love for you to drop by and subscribe to. We appreciate it. We appreciate you spending some time with us. That wraps up the show for this week. Danny Lipford here along with my buddy Joe Truini, our producer engineer Scott Gardner and Brad Rogers and the whole Today's Homeowner family. Hoping you have a great weekend and come back and be with us again next week. We'll see you then.